Pelotero Pickle, episode 116. We have special guests today, Florida coach Chuck Drollman. Uh, we talk about recruiting, player development, his journey as a coach. Really, really good episode if you're uh, a high school player, if you're trying to get insight into the recruiting process. Just awesome episode. Chuck was really nice to join us this week. Uh, Chris is his usual banter. And yeah, special guest episode. You're going to love it. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 116. We got a little delayed this week. We got a little ice storm in Texas, but we're back on. We have a guest with us today that I'm going to let Chris introduce. Uh, Chris is joining me as always. Before we get started, a reminder, send us emails to pickle at pelotero.com and hit us up on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. Send us your questions, comments, concerns. Tell Chris that he's a good hitter because he loves that sort of thing. Uh, but just hit, hit us up. We love getting your feedback. Uh, Chris, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Robert. How are you? Good. Thawing out finally. It was, it yeah, was sketchy no more ice there. on your house. Yeah, yep. you're in the middle. I thought house, you trees, it was power warm. lines, cactus, yeah. cacti. Yeah. Ice. It was <laughs> like two inches of yeah. ice on everything. It was wild. Grass encapsulated in ice. It's nice. Yep. Yep. Well, anyway, I'm excited to have another guest, guest that's in in a warm climate. Uh, went to the University of Auburn, Auburn University, whatever that. However, you're supposed to say it. I don't know. War Eagle. Just say him War and, Eagle. And, uh, that's all you got to say. Yeah. Him and uh, our, our our friend from uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, War Eagles, uh, drafted by the Boston Red Sox, I think. I don't remember which round because I haven't looked at his at his little bio page because I didn't need to. But he's the best shortstop I ever played with. That includes Troy Tulowitzki and Doug Bernier. I said that to Doug Bernier, too. But it's like a tie for 1A and 1B. Like, these guys don't make errors. And he's now a current assistant coach at the University of Florida. Chuck Jerome. And Chuck, how are you? What's up, C's? I don't like saying nice things about you. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's That's kind of mutual, honestly. But you're the best shortstop I ever played with. Yeah, you can hit a I don't think you made an error the whole year. <laughs> I don't know. Probably a couple. Probably you make couple. good the field, the field was kind of rough, honestly. Yeah, that's true. But you made right. sick throws, and you, I think you told me one time that you're like, if you catch the ball, you have no excuse to make an error ever, which I thought was like really interesting. Control the whole thing after that. You're notorious for making good throws. Couldn't hit like me, but that's all right. Yeah, that's true. Not many people play, can, man. Play a different position, brother. <laughs> yeah, you could bang too, though. You had you had your moments. You, yeah. I think you were a solid player, dude. I'm surprised you never got to the show. Yeah, whatever. That's why I'm coaching. I got an earlier start in this coaching thing. Yeah. Now you're big time. You're coaching the SEC at the University of Florida. We had one of your guys on the show, Colby Halter. It was uh, really cool to talk to him. Uh, how are things going? Tell us a little bit. Give us a little preview of uh, what's going on down in, uh, in Gator country right now. Two weeks until uh, opening day, man. So it's a, it's a little bit of the calm before the storm, honestly, because no recruiting. During this time, we can't go out and watch players until March. Season starts in a couple weeks, so it's like an abbreviated spring training is kind of what we get. You know, and in college, it's great. We have a really good fall period. We can kind of iron some things out individually with guys, and guys can really hit the weight room really hard. And then they go home for break. They truly have to be prepared for when they get back. 
if the guys don't do the things that they need to do leading up to the period, then we're behind the eight ball. You know, you have a couple guys that don't pick up a ball during the break, you're in trouble for your season, man. So it's uh, it's a little bit different for college that way, but at the same time, it's it, it, this is our exciting period for sure. So tell me a little bit about how you got into coaching and, and then obviously ending up at, at Auburn. You We're going to go backwards with you. We're going to go to your playing career after. But I want to know, so you, you got your start. when you. I remember when you stopped playing, did you go to Jacksonville right away? Or no. Or did you go to TCU first? I went to TCU first. So, like, I knew I wanted to coach in college, right? And I knew that while I was playing. So – I finished, I was playing the Atlantic League. I was playing for Etch, and Etch was, uh, rest in peace, he was unbelievable. He's honestly my favorite guy I ever played for. And uh, they had it set up to where I would be able to go back and, and play in York again late if I didn't get a job coaching that I wanted in college. You know, so I had finished up my degree. It was really hard my last, like, year and a half playing. I was taking online classes after games until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, man. It wasn't easy. And then we had our, our first son, Owen, um, before the last year I played. You know, and I didn't want to send him to daycare, and Tara was teaching and stuff, so I was taking classes online. I was like, hey, Edge, if I get this, if I get a job that I really want, I'm just going to take it. I'm not going to go back. And I kind of – they were really good. They worked with me, man. They, they were – they're, honestly, Etch and, and Kirk and those guys in New York were great and gave me the opportunity to come back if I wanted to. But I ultimately ended up deciding I got a job at TCU, got a lot of help to get there, and kind of jumped right into the fire, man. Right. It's so interesting that you always there. wanted to coach. I, it, you sure. got to get into that there was no mind doubt. space early. Yeah, there was no doubt. And I knew I wanted to coach in college. I had a, a college coach that had a really big impact on me is Chris Fenway. He's the head coach at Old Dominion. He was one of our assistants at Auburn. And I just kind of always knew that that's what I wanted to do, you know, and I wanted to play as long as I can. And then when I was 27, like my windows in the big league got pretty small. It didn't matter if I played good defense, I could hit a little bit, right? At that point in time, I started to feel like I was I was starting to kind of play for myself. And I, I had a kid at the time. Like I had to figure out what was going to be best for my family. So it's after... pretty intense. We got, <laughs> I just texted Chris on the side because we had a delay issue the other day. We're doing hands. Yeah, we're, we're on the same ear, thing. That means we're going to talk. We're going to talk next. Same thing. We're going to cut each Having other off kid, this whole show. You good? I'm, I'm going to go. Ready? I got ear signal. Having a kid, I could not even imagine trying to play baseball with a kid. Like understanding now what it's like. I have two little girls now. I have a three-year-old, five-year-old. Um the the time commitment the mental effort the just the pull on you constantly when you have a, your own child is so intense to try to like I'm trying to think back to like playing independent ball about having a kid I'm like there's no chance there's no way that I could have done that well I had to have first of all you have to have a wife that's independent you know and she's able to kind of knock out on her own she was teaching at that point in time man you know and that was a lot barren on her for sure. You know, and then honestly, the people at York were unbelievable. Like managing her and the kid, or our baby then, and like where we lived and everything. And they had it set up to where she kind of had to sweet her to games and stuff. They made it as easy as it could be on us for sure. 
but I, no doubt, this is not easy, man. <laughs> Super hard. Go ahead, Chris. So, well, I didn't give you a hand signal, so I that we, I didn't know I was gonna go. I was gonna talk. I was gonna let you keep going on that thought because it's good to get into the. I don't. We don't like the stuff. You can read stuff on Google about careers and where you coached. It's cooler to hear the background stuff, right? I think that's my favorite stuff about whether it's an athlete, a coach, a person who's had experience, or anybody that you know listens to the things we talk to. Uh, after TCU went to Jacksonville right away, became the recruiting coordinator, I don't know, associate head coach, probably there. Um, then you went on to USF after Jacksonville. Am I right about that? And then you've been at Florida yep, for two years. Yep. Yeah. And you've been at Florida since then. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about the, the journey a little bit, like ups and downs. How, what, what What's coaching taught you about yourself? And obviously you're, you've landed at, you know, probably one of the most illustrious schools in the country, playing, coaching with Sully, who's kind of a legend in college baseball. Like, What's the journey taught you and where, where do you see it going from here? I learn different things at every place, man, honestly. You know, I mean, thrown into it at TCU right away. I worked for Jim Schlossnagel. He's the head coach of Texas A&M now. Um, worked with Randy Mays. He's the head coach of West Virginia now. And Tony Vitello is the head coach of Tennessee. Uh, learned a lot from those guys. And, you know, the biggest thing I needed right away is, like, an understanding of the office side of the business, right? And a lot of our work takes place here in the office. It's probably 80% of it, honestly, man between recruiting and preparing and scheduling, practice preparation, video, all that stuff, right? And all the things that kind of go on behind the scenes. Like when I was a college player, I just thought my coach showed up to practice and practice, and that was pretty much the end of the That's day. what mine you go did. go watch a game or two, that was it. That's what mine did at Ascension. <laughs> yeah. That's why we weren't very good. <laughs> but that's what I thought it was. So the, the part that I needed most was the office side of this thing, you know, and a true understanding of that. Now it was, it was grunt work right away, man, like, at TCU, I did the dirt too, right? And I coached our hitters, our infielders, and our catchers. My, I didn't see my wife and kids. I, shoot, I saw more when I played than I did during that period of time early on. You know, so, but that, that gave me kind of a, a really good foundation of like the side that I needed to learn the most. Like the baseball side, man, that's what it is, right? Like, and you learn every day of this thing. A lot of the times you learn as, as coaching through failures just the same way as we did as players you know and right away we first started coaching like you'd see all these different things wrong with guys you try to fix them without a true understanding of kind of where they were how they got to this point you know the things that they've done in the past and really what the starting spot is for guys to get to where you want to end up getting to you know so i was like on trigonometry at times with guys when we need to be working on basic math you know and kind of growing as a coach, like you, you figure out like bit by bit, like guy by guy, and it changes all the time, man. But what what's kind of, you learn through failures for sure. You know, and I learned a lot my first couple of years. We, we had some, we had some success for sure, but I learned a lot as a coach and like the process of how to coach players for sure. So it's, it's similar to parenting. Like it doesn't come with a blueprint, man. You know, you got, you got to kind of learn on the fly and it, it's similar to that in coaching. You get, you become better and learning how to, raise your kids better the longer this thing kind of goes on it's the same way as coaching man. it truly is i'll go i'll go hand signal right there because <clears throat> you've you've been doing this for over a decade now right the coaching thing yeah so two years at tcu four years at ju two years at usf four years at florida now so yeah so your your timeline there 
very much coincides with when I was doing the facility thing on the private side. The whole technology side of things is so different than what it was in 2010 and, be, and before that. Uh, the video that's available, the, the showcase scene is very different now. Um, just the amount of information available is just vastly different now. I, I, I used to joke around about when, when Chris and I were with Worcester in 2006, we were, we were talking in the clubhouse one day about our swings and a veteran came over and was like, no, you can't do that. You can't talk about your swing. You're going to go into a, into a slump. And now I'm like, yeah, there's a little bit of merit to that if you talk about it too much, but it's just a very different landscape. Um, what's that been like for you? over the last decade plus of just seeing the, seeing the landscape and the, is the player different now than it was then? Like, what do you, what, what's your, what's your lens on that? Cause it's pretty unique because you come from as a player and then a coach and the whole, the whole industry's changed. Yeah. And, and I've kind of like coached at different levels of this thing too. Right. In division, in division one. Um, I'll tell you, I think, I think the player is a little bit different than it was five or six years ago, you know, and I think that has a lot to do with the, uh, the industry as a whole and the, the amount of like private coaching and kind of sports specified stuff that's happened a lot earlier, whether it's the lifting and training side or the amount of help that they get. I think our guys now that they, they hit the balls harder, right? They throw harder, they run faster, they're stronger than guys were four or five years ago. But when it comes to like the nuances of baseball, there's a pretty big gap to where from where we were in, the, in the, like five years ago, you know. So um, some of the things that you kind of took for granted that guys knew before they got here, they don't know now. You know, we, we had a guy here as a freshman, a super high profile guy. It's a big dude. He's six foot eight, 11, whatever. Right. Throws really hard, played a position to had never run a daylight pick before he got here. You know, and like that was mind boggling that we're at the University of Florida as a freshman. He had never run a daylight pick before, you know, so some of those little things. And, and that's the bigger gap that, that we have within when guys get here right away than like the juniors in our program. Right. Juniors, because we don't have a whole lot of seniors. Right. But like the guys that have been here for a year or two is how can we bridge the gap, get these guys up to speed so that the, like our juniors don't need to wait. So all of the, so these guys are like we said, like elementary math and they're they're way beyond that at this point in time so my my take on this and I, correct me if i'm wrong or you tell me your thoughts behind it i think young people today or young players anyway that we there's only so much bandwidth that each individual athlete has right throughout the course of their their life their amateur life whatever you want to call it and i feel like most of that time is now getting spent on building the athlete versus building the player it like is that a fair assessment to you Absolutely, man. No doubt. And it, especially like the team dynamic, a lot of the good high school coaches that are kind of retired now, you know, and we the, we still have a few like really good ones in our state, but there's not as many as there used to be, you know, and the old school kind of coach, there's not a whole lot of them yeah. running around now. There still are some. For yeah, sure. we. I, I, I told people this. I, I uh, People have a hard time believing this. I played for a guy that coached for 30, I want to say it was 35 years at Milford High School legend in massachusetts high school coaching milford high has like i think one i want to say like four or five state championships in his time as a coach and I'm, it might be high it might be low I, i'm not really sure but to win the states it's a little bit more difficult to come out of central mass and then 
get into that tournament where you, you're, you're one of the four state teams. You have to win your district. But this guy, I mean, God rest his soul. Like, he lets you know that you're a fucking asshole right in front of your mother. Like, he didn't care. He, he literally, like, our moms would sit right behind our bench and he called us every name in the book. And I, not that that was good or bad. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what the, the right way to do it is, but I, I felt significantly more prepared for stuff, I think, because I got to play for him and because I got to play for a guy in Legion who almost ripped my head off. So, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's the right way to do things, but certainly there were expectations that you had to live up to where now I just think with the game the way it is with travel ball and the ability to go play travel ball. And I had a hot take with Bobby where I said, our generation, when you played travel ball, when you were in our generation, that meant you were kind of a dude where I, where I was from. But now I think it's kind of changed a little bit. Would you say most of your recruiting is done in that travel scene? And you see that a lot where kids bounce from team to team a lot. It's a combination, man. You know, I think in a perfect world, we'd be able to see a guy playing a bunch of different environments, right? It's, it's not always the case now. Recruiting's definitely sped up. The one positive of the travel side, for sure, is we get to see a bunch of guys play at the same time, you know, at the same place, and a bunch of kids from different areas. Um, the negative to it is, you know, like when growing up, Wellington High School, when we would play John I. Leonard under the lights, there'd be people talking trash. There'd be a thousand people there. Like that meant more than any game I ever played in travel baseball when I played for the pokers. And like you said, you had to be a dude back in the day, right? Like you had to, we were like the one travel team for three counties. Now I think there's 12 in those three counties, you know, so it's definitely different now than it was, but it's, it's a part of, it's part of the deal now, right? It's part of like the, the whole landscape of recruiting, you know, and, you still got to lean on some of these high school coaches, but a lot of the good high school coaches now have gone to the travel side too, you know? So there's still some of those really good contacts that you have. And they, they, it's, it's just, everything's a little bit different now than it was a, a decade ago and you adapt or die, you know, it's kind of the way it works. How much, uh, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit before, earlier about the, the player and the, the daylight pick not, not being in the repertoire. How do you how do you recruit that? How do you look for you know, the metrics are everywhere? So I, I always tell people metrics are like your GPA. It's just they got to be there. They got to show up at some point. Um, how do you recruit the 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 baseball player? The the, the piece that's kind of missing right now. What are you looking for? Yeah, so recruiting happens happens significantly earlier now than it did, right? So. It's not to say that, I mean, we recruited a couple 23s this past summer into the fall, you know, but at the same time, there's 26s that are committing all over the place and 27s that are committing all over the place, which is, is kind of the nature of the industry now. You know, so I, I wouldn't expect a 2026 to know a day like Dick and, and all these things, right? So um, there, there are times during the recruiting process that I think you do have to try to, like, coach a guy up a little bit and, like, tell him, like kind of some things, the way that it goes, whether if it's at our place or at this level or some things that they're going to experience moving forward, you know, whether if it's control in the running game or something really small like that. Um, but it's, I, I, first of all, there has to be a certain level of talent that a player has to have to be able to have success at, at a place like ours. Um, 
And then from that point forward, a lot of this comes down to makeup. Um, and it's not always the most talented players that have the most success in our place. You know, you have a player like Wyatt, who's our he, – he played left field for us last year. He got four at-bats his freshman year, and he worked really hard, and he hasn't stopped working and kind of developing into the player he is now. You know, and when we're on the road and there's 10,000 people, all those metrics are really good. But when they're saying things that no mom would ever want to hear said about their son, guys either their level of play either raises up or, or crashes down. And the guys with good makeup, it usually raises up. You know, and I think that's why there's such a premium uh, it, with the guys in our league um, it, going on to the next level and it, kind of the way it's represented in the draft each year. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, if you can play in some of the environments these guys play in and have a lot of success, you're usually going to be okay moving forward. Need that thick skin to handle the Twitter haters when they get to pro ball. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new animal, man. I want to drill down a little bit further because you said the the player that got four at-bats and then he worked really hard. We, we have a lot of listeners who are high school kids, college kids. What does that look like to you specifically to say that he kept working hard? Is it? physical effort, mental effort, consistency, what is the, what stands out to you when you say a player works hard? Yeah, it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the culture that you have in your program, for one. Um, and if you're ever lucky enough to have your best players work harder than everybody else, and that kind of shows the other guys a roadmap um, to success at our place, I think then you're in a really good spot, right? And, I mean – it's it's been said a lot about about why you know and I we have other guys that work really hard too. I don't want to just say that that he that he does it more than everybody else because our our guys our place is different, man. There's somebody hitting right now. It's nine fifty two in the morning, right? Um, the guys will leave weights and there's there's a guy or two hitting at nine o'clock in the morning nearly every day, you know. So it, it's similar to you know the, what you used to hear about Kobe Bryant and he would go and shoot in the gym. And then some kid would show up. And then when that kid was done, Kobe would still wait and keep shooting and shooting and shooting until that guy left. So he knew that he did more than him that day. And that guy would leave knowing how much more Kobe did than him. We do have some guys that do that for sure. <laughs> you know, and the if, if he, he falls in that mode. We, we probably have two guys that hit more than any players I've ever seen in my life. And those who hit often, they usually do hit, you know, and, I know I'm kind of rambling and talking to circles a little bit, no, but I love it. the more that you put it into this thing, honestly, man, the, the more I think that you're going to get out of it for sure. So tell me a little bit about – that's great stuff, by the way. You're not rambling. Tell me a little bit about the recruiting aspect at the University of Florida. What does that, what does that entail, right? Because I think a lot of kids are caught up now in the recruiting landscape and, and what that – really looks like and I'm I hear freshmen and sophomores in high school they're freaking out about where to go to school I didn't make a commitment to a school until I think November or I was actually April of my senior year not that I went anywhere prestigious or anything like that from a baseball standpoint but what what's recruiting look like for you guys are you able to stay more regional because of your profile and not have to worry about really going out and, and finding the guys when they're freshmen, sophomores in high school, or are you out on the, on the war path like everybody else? Oh yeah, man. We're, 
I mean, we're out all the time. I got a lot of nights in hotels, right? So my, uh, my status for Hilton and Marriott are pretty good. Nice. Um, and it's games from 8 a.m. until the games are over each night, man. You know, so we'd rather recruit our state. I mean, that's, that's number one. The best players in our state, they, they need to get an opportunity to come here if they, if they fit the mold. And then after that, whatever our state doesn't provide or if we get hit in the draft a time or two, then, then we definitely need to look outside of our state. You know, and if you look, it's usually about two players a year we bring from out of state. That's kind of what it's been up to this point. It can always change in any given year. But a lot of it has to do with what our state provides first. For one, it's in-state, you know, and it's cheaper for sure for the families and all that. But we do go out of state a, a, part, a portion of the time. And that, that involves us traveling a little bit for sure, you know, and hitting some of these national things and then see guys two or three or four times and kind of make a decision moving forward after that. Have you, have you found that that's easier with the events the way they are from a recruiting standpoint? Or is, does it make it more chaotic where you kind of are at the mercy of a big tournament and, you know, the, I know like the lake points and the, the big events throughout the year are, are obviously the ones that are the most attended from a college coaching standpoint, but is that, is that more challenging or is it, does it make it easier? You think? You got to do a lot more prep, I think. You gotta, you gotta definitely have contacts that are gonna point you in the right direction. You know, um, a lot of it has to do with how much, how much, how many people we would have at an event. Because um, if you're, de- if you have one person and you're at the, the events at a bunch of different sites, like things are at Georgia at times, and it usually comes down to like chasing pitchers, right? And then you run into a hitter here, run into a hitter there. Um, but if you have more people, you're able to sit on position players a lot more. It's a better style of recruiting, I think, for sure. But the events are great. I'd rather go watch – honestly, I'd rather watch a guy in a high school game do the whole workup prior to the game, watch him take VP, take in and out, play the game against a rival. I think there's there's not much that they could do to mimic that on the travel side. <laughs> but you're getting usually higher caliber players, more players that you're going to want to see at one event. And so, some of the events are, are unbelievable during the summer, for sure. When you're when you're going out to see players multiple times, what are the things you're looking for after kind of that? I'm 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 sure they pass the you know the physical check part. You know, check certain boxes physically. What are you looking for after that? It's all makeup stuff. Different guy to guy, man. Yeah, I mean that's that's a part of it for sure. Uh, it's it's just waiting to see kind of where he falls, honestly, in the compared to the other guys, you know, and whether that has, we do more homework on them, talk to more people around them and just see them in some different events. Um, but at times this recruiting thing sped up, you know, so I'm not saying that there's kids that, like I said, there's kids we recruit, that we add to our 24 class right now. We add to our 23 class during the fall period, you know, so for everybody's process, it could be different. There's kids that commit when they're freshmen, there's kids that commit when they're juniors or seniors. You know, if you're going to play Florida, we're probably going to give you a chance to do it. I was a pretty late bloomer myself physically, so the the current timelines for recruiting would have hurt me significantly. I was probably 5'7", 120 pounds as a freshman. I couldn't even imagine trying to even talk to a D1 school, let alone commit to one. It's, it's, it's crazy seeing was, some of these kids come up now. They're just monsters. No doubt. My little brother is a five foot two, slow second baseman. 
who ran like an eight flat 60 his freshman year in high school. And he ended up catching in the big league. He wouldn't have been recruited like at that early of an age. He would have ended up being recruited. There's no doubt. I mean, he ended up coming here at the University of Florida, played for USA and did all that. But if people think that you just you go through your freshman period and you're not recruited, that's going to be the end of it. It wasn't like it then. It's not going to be any different now, honestly. Just because kids, we have more kids committed at a younger age doesn't mean that we stop recruiting. I think that's the yeah. hardest part, right? If you look at it the way it is right now is – you've got young players who feel this urgency to get to a place at a younger age, right? The, the social media aspects of it and, and the commitments and to Bobby's point, like, I, you know, I, <laughs> I went to assumption college. I was a, you know, talk about late bloomers. I probably didn't bloom until I was 26 to be honest with you, but um, it, it's, it's just this weird, it's this weird dynamic where everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses. And I think more so than anything, you're, you're connected to players nationally at a younger age. So you're, you have the Instagram follow who's, you know, the guy from Iowa or the guy from California or the guy from Texas or whatever, because you met him at a tournament, you met him at some national event. And so what ends up happening is you see all these guys' lives kind of like condensed into what social media is telling you about them. So you have this, this feeling that everybody's outperforming you on a day-to-day basis. And I can only imagine that the stress that causes Cause like we had to worry about just being in our neighborhood, right. In our town, in our district or whatever. Um, how has that impacted? Do you think that's Im- impacted the psyche of the player nowadays as they're coming into a place like the university of Florida, or would you say that you're, you're getting kind of a different style of kid yourself there? Anyway. Um, I mean, I think that, I think there's a benefit to some of that, honestly. See, so he's like, when a kid, when a kid's got to go play in Jupiter, right, against the best players in the area, and there's all these people in golf carts riding around, I think that does help prepare them for our place a little bit, right? Like, when a kid has to play in some of these high-profile events, I think that does help prepare them because they, they are feeling some of that anxiousness or nervousness that they're going to feel at times at our place when we play in some of these environments. And I think the more times you get in that environment prior to getting here, I don't want to say you're you're completely equipped by any stretch, but I think you're better equipped than coming from Alaska and having played no travel baseball at all and then jumping foot here. Well, I think realistically you have to be prepared, right? Because as a – you're coming to the University of Florida, you have to be ready to compete as a freshman or sophomore, probably more than likely to really find an opportunity as a sophomore, right? Like it – the freshman thing is hard, but I mean, you guys are losing a lot of guys to the draft and the landscape of now with the, the transfer portal and uh, the draft kind of changing and guys doing the prep school. There's so many more guys I feel like doing the prep school thing. It, it, is that like, is that accurate that got, you, you, you need a guy who's ready to get kind of thrown into the fire at a, at a younger age? Yeah, we do not have older players here. Our guys usually leave after their senior year and some of them leave. I mean, after their junior year, some guys leave after their sophomore year if they're eligible, right? So we're really only dealing with three classes here, man. You know, we're at other schools they deal with four. So our, our young guys got to get on the field and be more prepared to get on the field earlier. You know, I know last year we we were actually talking about it with our with our club the other day. Was in our league we had the second youngest roster 
last year compared to everybody else. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, for one, the COVID year was, we, we handled it a little bit different than some other programs did. You know, we, we had some guys come back to school, but Florida's never been a place where we had a lot of seniors walking around, you know, and we've always had success with the higher profile high school player, you know, and that's what this place is built on. That's what it's going to continue to be. We, we've never been really active in the transfer portal up to this point. We've done some, um, but it's definitely not been something that we built our roster with by any stretch of the imagination. You know, so if you look around some of the other spots in, in our league, like Sully talks about all the time, we played a fall game last year. They were calling our guys out, and it was like freshmen, 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 freshmen. We had like 19, 20 freshmen on our roster, something crazy. And – the team that we were playing, it was like senior, grad, 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 senior. So it's like, this is insane. We're playing a bunch against a bunch of 23-year-olds with a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds. You know, so here our, our young guys are expected to come out and, and help us right away, man. You know, we only get 35 spots in our roster, 27 on scholarship. You know, and when you eliminate pretty much the senior class from our place and making our place be three classes, our freshmen are going to have to play a factor in our program. It's tough. <clears throat> it's tough. It's different problems. Everybody's got problems. <laughs> the, the team that's recruiting just good players to, to be on the roster at 24, like they need that player. That, you know, they, they need that, that spot to be filled by that player. And I, there's college coaches I talk to that are so heavy on the portal now because they can't swing and miss on a freshman and they'd rather go after a known commodity coming out of a JUCO or moving up from D2 to D3 because they got an extra year of eligibility and it makes sense or – it's just everybody's got a different angle and different strategy, and it's, I think it's no different than being a player and knowing what you're good at. You have to you have to know what works for you and your system and your your model, and stick to it, stay in your lane, and just hammer it as, as best you can. Sure. Be professional within that. So I, I have a question, and this, we'll let you go. We don't want to keep you too long. Uh, What's it been like being a you? You know, you were a war eagle. Your brother was a Gator. So how's that? How's that that change been for you now? Having a coach at Florida and having to go to Auburn, go to your alma mater and play and see those guys. Like, what's that? What's that like? I mean, yeah. I mean, I I poured three years into that place, man. I mean, it'll always be near and dear to my heart, right? Like, competed with with some really good players. Hosted Don, right? He was a recruit. Hosted him. I was his host on on his visit. Um, there's memories there that I don't think I'll ever be able to race, right? Um, but when we play there, I want to beat the hell out of them. That ain't going to change, man, right? It doesn't matter who's across the other side. I don't care if my brother's – my brother's coaching at FIU now. I don't, I don't care if we play them and he's on the other side, <laughs> right? As a competitor, I want to win every game I play and prepare our guys to win every game that we play. It doesn't really matter who's on the other side, let's say. You know, and – being from Florida, being from West Palm Beach, my wife, she's, she's from St. Pete. We, we did meet at Auburn, right? But having the opportunity to raise our family in the state that we grew up in and have our families somewhat close, I think you can't really replace that a whole lot, man. It's been pretty cool for sure. That's awesome, man. It's good stuff. Well, we appreciate your time, man. This has uh, been awesome. That's our, we're going to call this our college kickoff preview episode with uh, Chuck Drollman. Thank you for gracing you, gracing us with your presence. I uh, I've been holding you almost, you almost did that back. to yourself. 
<laughs> you yeah, did I, mean, the, I grace, I grace your honor to, with my it's own your honor presence. To me. <laughs> so this is Chuck. I have this new strategy when I introduce myself to kids now. Um, and I, I, I was at, uh, I was actually at Yale university the other day and, uh, some kid comes out and he's, you know, talking on the first day of live, he's asking the coach if he can get side view video. And I'm like, what the hell you need side view video the first day of live for? Like you can get blown up, just get on time to a heater one time. I go, and he's like all intimidated. He's like, I was like, do you know who I am? I said, Chris Colabella, it's your honor to meet me. And I said the same thing to, I said the same thing to Matt Shaw, who, you know, is arguably one of the better hitters in the country at the University of Maryland. So it's really like my test to see if they can handle me. Um, it takes yeah, a lot to handle UCs. I mean, that's true. I mean, I, yeah, like I'm, I'm a little bit much to handle. It's, I'm, I'm just glad. Hey, it's been 15 years and you're still talking to me, so I'm doing something all right. So, no doubt. Um, yeah. We wish you nothing but the best, man. It'll be fun to follow you guys this year. We got some boys down in SEC territory, so uh, we'll be following and uh, continued success, man. As a coach, as a human, as a husband, as a dad, and uh, look forward to to watching the Gators this year, man. And I'm, I'll be waiting for my care package. I know I'm selling my fandom. You did give me one shirt on five minutes' notice last time when I was down there, so respect for that but i'm a large now i'm, I'm slender Stop so see you're getting an xl man take, we're not doing this take your shirt off go ahead and do it show it off no i'm not doing it i'm not i don't it's for audio the, uh, we're not going to post that on instagram but take go ahead go no, ahead today come today, on today is the today you're proud is of yourself you should be day. it's not it's not seizes abs day i'll send chuck a picture later it's fine well hey continued success best of luck uh look forward to seeing uh florida near the top of the rankings and uh, on the quest for home. Thank you so much. This was great. This was awesome. On that note, Google out. <laughs> <laughs>